We're in Revelation chapter 17 right now. We'll pray and we'll, uh, we'll get into the Word. And by the way, uh, uh, chapter 17, we're running out of chapters. I said 17, 18 is the judgment of Babylon. 19, Jesus returns, battle of Armageddon. Uh, chapter 20 is the uh, thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Chapter 21, the great white throne judgment. Chapter 22, and they lived happily ever after. Okay, so now you know the whole book. There's a little bit more detail there, and we'll flesh it out as we go along. But that's basically the way it's going to run. So, and I mean, there's more information there because you know I could teach through five chapters if I could. I mean, I'd be ripping you off. Like, so I want to go fast enough so that we get some sense of moving, but I want to go slow enough so that we cover all the, the verses somewhat. Chapter 17, uh, always tough sledding for me personally. I know some people, they're just more confident. They aver these things and say they're so, and I don't, it's hard to talk about, look at verse 5, mystery Babylon the Great. It's hard to talk about a mystery that hasn't happened yet. When Paul says, behold, I show you a mystery, and then he unfolds it, and we can talk about it because it's something he's, but this here is kind of like, eh, and it looks like this, and there's a lot of hints, and some things fit, not quite, and so we kind of do the best we can. And by the way, if I guess, and I'm totally wrong, you can mock me in heaven forever, and here's the thing, I'm in heaven, so I don't care, and I'll, I'll be the eternal butt of all your jokes, it's fine with me, okay? But uh, like I say, I'm going to try to teach this, and I'm going to try to be like real about it, and stuff like all the things I've read over the years, and, and things, but... I, again, I don't know how dogmatic and how concrete we can be. So let's pray and let's beseech God's blessing on, on the word. Father, you know, I, I've, I've testified. It's hard to talk about a mystery that hasn't happened yet. But Father, I want you to give us good understanding. And, you know, we, we make some guesses, Lord. At the end of the day, we don't want to be her heretical. We want to be true to your word. We, want it, we don't want to add things to it. We don't, certainly don't want to subtract things from it, Lord. So help us, Lord, guide us and direct us in our thoughts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to read. I got out to about verse 10. I'm going to read through like verse 7, and then we'll start commenting just by way of refreshing us. And I'm going to try to get all the way through uh, chapter 17. And if we have enough time, we'll even maybe even start 18. We'll see how it goes, right? But my goal is to finish 17 today. Now I'm going to read the first I can say six verses. There came uh, one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemies, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Here, the angel interrupts. What do you, what's, what's the deal? What are you marveling about? By the way, I, I'm just thinking of this, and I don't know if I mentioned last week. You know how your Bible, Mystery Babylon the Great, and it's all caps? 
because when it was written, it was written in all caps. So that's why if you have that, it's a, it's a faithful rendition of it. Why is it written in all caps? I don't know, probably the same reason we write in all caps, you know what I mean? When you, when you text all caps, you're yelling, <laughs> you, you're emphasizing, is that the same thing? I almost think so, you know, all kidding aside, I really think it is. What are you, what are you marveling about? What's your, he, he, it says he wondered with great admiration. He's gobsmacked. He's, he's what is going on here kind of thing. And the angel's like, and it's a big question mark to John. But to the angel's like, eh, say nothing. Let me explain it to you. And his explanation helps, but it doesn't help us all the way so that we can pinpoint it with exact accuracy. Why did you marvel? I'll tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carried her. Now remember, there's two entities here. There's the woman and there's the beast. The beast is the Antichrist, the Antichrist system. There's no question about it. The woman is riding, enters in on the coattails of the beast and becomes to prominence because the beast comes to prominence. Now we've understood that the woman is a religious system. She's called Babylon, I think, because that's where false religion started. Nimrod, uh, the, the Tower of Babel, you know, Semiramis comes into the picture, uh, Tammuz. And I didn't go into great detail about that, and I won't. But I did say, you know, if you want a more of an understanding on that, and I recommended uh, a YouTube, it's a series of videos, it's 77 videos long, and it goes into like secret societies, the Catholic Church, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, uh, New Age. It has, you know, pots on everything. I mean, every thing imaginable. It doesn't go every religion, but just... Um, okay, this is Babylon, this is where it came from, this is how it migrated to Rome, this is what you need to know about. And the name of the thing was uh, called Know Your Enemy, and, and then it's called Fuel Project, Fuel Project. Okay, if you just put Know Your Enemy, you're going to get a Rage Against the Machine rock and roll video, okay? So put on Fuel Project. I, you got to do that. And like I say, there's 77. And I think it's very, very helpful. You should write that down. You should watch it. Like I say, there's 77 videos. You think, well, yeah, I don't get like eight years to watch. It would probably take you two days if you watch them in friend. But I only say the first 20 or so. And they're only like seven to 10 minute videos, Okay, and they're very brief and they're very understandable. I think the gentleman does a really good job at breaking down this is Babylon, this is what you need to know, this is how it evolved, this is, and, and all these things. And I think getting that will understand it. Okay, again, I'm not going to go there very much. And all th it's all through scripture. Uh, Babylon, you say Babylon's not a big thing, it kind of is. Uh, 200 times in scripture and it's mentioned the only city that's mentioned more of course is Jerusalem and I think the Bible is a tale of two cities Jerusalem God's city God's choice God's way God's kingdom this is God this is Jerusalem this is and it's kind of like a picture of course it's an actual city and then there's Babylon this is Satan's counterfeit this is this is God's way this is Satan's way and I think it really comes down to that and when we're in the kingdom uh, the kingdom age, we're in the tribulation it comes down to two religious systems are you going to be able to maintain your atheism in the tribulation Satan says nah -uh. 
uh, whatevs, uh, you're going to worship me or you're going to die horribly. Those are all your choices. So you're going to die horribly and go to heaven and be with Jesus forever, or you're going to try to... He, he, you know, it kind of, you know, people fight tooth and nail to maintain their... What? I, I pick one. You, you pick one. Any religion of the flavor out there. But it's, Satan's not going to allow that. You can come in that way to the tribulation. She's the mother of all harlots, of all abominations on the earth. Pick, pick any one. And then there's going to be this like, hey, that's cool, whatever you... And then after a while, look at... Um, the horse sitteth on verse 15... Uh, the, horse the, the waters that she sits on are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And worldwide, okay? Whatever you believe, we're going to have this great prostitute religion and you, bring whatever you want. And, but the, the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, those are the kings, and we'll get to that. These shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. You're not going to, you come in the, to the, the tribulation that way, to whatever new age, Hinduism, spiritualism, wokeness, uh, you, you know, whatever your, your game is, whatever your, your flavor of the month is, you, you come in that way. But after a while, you will get in line and you'll worship the Antichrist and that's all there is to it. And we've looked at that, the abomination that causes desolation. We looked at, you know, Second Thessalonians, that the, the Antichrist is going to erect a statue of himself in the Holy of Holies that presupposes that there's going to be a, another uh, temple. And we've gone over those things. We don't have to go over them now. Anyway, what do you marvel? I'll tell you the mystery uh, of the woman which sat on the beast. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Sounds like a bunch of gobbledygook. If you boil it down, the beast thou sawest, remember, there's, there's the woman and there's the beast. The beast, the antichrist that you saw, was and is not. Resurrection. I think the hint there is resurrection. And it shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. What's going to happen? Well, he's going to go into perdition. Now, if you throw in your lot with him, that's a bad choice. He's, he's got a destination, and it's not a... Perdition there means destruction. Okay? Read here, hell. But that's where that's happening. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, Wow, this guy's amazing. You can't even kill him. He doesn't stay dead. These people who were names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they look at the beast that was and is not, and yet is. He was, and he is not dead, and he is. Resurrection, okay? That's resurrection language. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Hey, figure it out. He's saying, you, you got a little wisdom. You got a little knowing what's going on. The, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. I think that that is speaking of Rome. He already gave you the colors of Rome. And I, when I say Rome, I'm not talking about the city in Italy. I'm talking about specifically the Vatican. I'm talking specifically about Catholicism. Is this Roman Catholicism? No, it's the new after the rapture, Roman Catholicism. Because I say like that, and then people get all discouraged. Well, my grandmother's, you know, Roman Catholic, and you're designing her to something. No, um, I was Catholic, okay? And when I was born again and Catholic, 
when, when both of those things happened, I was going to heaven. Before I was born again and I was Catholic, it's not Catholic, being Catholic or not being Catholic. That's not, God's like, well, if you come before me and you're Catholic, the right religion, and you do a lot of Catholic things like, you know, say the rosary and light candles and bow to statuary, then I'll let you into heaven. It says no Bible verse ever. But that's what I was. And I wasn't going, I didn't know Jesus. I mean, I knew of him. But I wasn't born again, and I wasn't going to heaven. Now, I got born again, and I was. But we know that. It's old ground, okay? So we won't spend too much time there. But the new Catholicism, after the rapture Catholicism, is all the leadership still in place? I don't know that. I mean, I, I don't. I take my guesses like everybody else. But, we, you know, we, there's some things we don't know, and, and it's really above our pay grade. But I have an idea that not many things have changed. I think, like, the hierarchy of the Mormon church is still in place after the, after the rapture, as the, whatever council that Jehovah's Witnesses run under. I don't think there's going to be many dents in many of those. Are there born-again Mormons? I don't know. It doesn't, maybe, I, I don't, it doesn't seem like it, but Perhaps. I don't know that, okay? But there's going to be a lot of religious people after the rapture, and they're going to kind of amalgamate into one under the leadership of this false prophet, okay, that we've already ran into, that character. And he's going to give us this one-world religion. Hey, you know what the problem is? You know, religion and battle and fighting and people fight over religion. Well, let's put that aside and let's, you know, bring in kind of this great melting pot and all this stuff, okay? This is what we're looking at. And I think it's headquartered in Rome. I think this is what it's talking about. When it's talking about the seven mountains in verse 9. She's sitting on these seven mountains. Are they, are they Rome? There are seven kings, okay? This is verse 10, five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And I, I, I think I named them last week. I think I just actually just said it right out. There are seven kings. Let's, call, let's, let's name them. Egypt, number one. Assyria, number two. Babylon, number three, which was taken over by the Medes and Persians, number four. Greece, number five. And one is Rome in the day that John wrote this. Rome was the, was the, was the gorilla on the block, that, the enforcer. That was, that was the new set, sixth king. And the other is not yet come. What's that? I'd call that Rome phase two. And we've looked at that at length in Daniel. I think that's like the, the you know, some people call it the, you know, European Union. Uh, I think, you know, the prince that shall come of Daniel chapter 9 that's, that's Romish. Now, I always think that Rome is more than just Europe, okay? And I kind of lean towards like a Muslim antichrist, but I'm not going to commit to that, okay? And, and, and like I've said before, and you've heard me say, there was an emperor named Constantine who allegedly became a Christian, whether he did or whether not. Again, above our pay grade. He took the capital of the world and moved it to a place called Byzantium. He renamed it Constantinople after himself. And then you had Rome East and Rome West, the two legs of Nebuchadnezzar's vision, his dream, that Daniel told him what it all meant. One leg, the eastern leg, outlasts the western leg, by a thousand years. It's not insignificant. People always want to make it Europe, and it might be. But I said before, when the Roman Empire was in existence, was Paul, the Jewish Paul, 
who wrote like a lot of the New Testament? Was he a, 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 a citizen in the Roman Empire? Yes, he was. And he wasn't in Italy. He wasn't Italian. He wasn't Roman, and he was a Roman citizen. Was Jesus Christ a Roman citizen? Certainly not, but his, he was under the boot of Rome. Why do you think his parents went from Nazareth down to Bethlehem to give him birth? Because there was a Roman emperor who was over the, the Holy Land and said, yeah, go back to your city. We're going to take a census here, and it's going to, you know, it's all about taxation, stuff like that. Was Jesus in the Roman Empire? Yes. And he was not Italian. He was not Roman citizen. He wasn't in Italy. He wasn't European. I just want you to understand, expand Rome to more. I mean, if you see a map of the Roman Empire, the Mediterranean Sea looks like a lake in Rome. It's all around, North Africa and all the way out in the Middle East and, and of course, Southern Europe and, and into Italy and all that. Okay, let's keep moving. There are seven kings, five have fallen. I gave you that one. One is, that's Rome. The other's not yet to come. That's Rome phase two. And when he cometh, and this is characterized by the Antichrist. He's the head of Rome phase two. He must continue a short space. How short? Three and a half years. Well, he's absolute ruler. Uh, but not, he's not like, this, this kingdom, I mean, they're like, we're going to win. We're going to show Jesus Christ, you know, how it's going to be. Oh, that's so deluded. But, it, hey, it's, he's, it's a short space. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. God ain't telling, I can call him Lord. I'm the boss of my life. Yeah, you're only going to continue for a short space. 80 years plus or minus? And then you're going to go and stand before the guy you said, I don't want you to rule over me. You might want to just think it all out, but... And the beast that was and is not, okay, the Antichrist, the, the resurrected Antichrist, he is the eighth and is of the seven, the seven, you know, remember the five that were, one is, one's going to be. He's of that seven, but he's the eighth one, okay? He's different. And, and, and he goeth into perdition. Just reminding you, okay, he comes out of that seventh, the, the coalesced Roman Empire, for lack of a better word, that, that reconstituted Roman Empire, okay? He comes from that. He's of the seventh, but he's the eighth. And, this, and it's given to us here. But he goes into perdition. The angel always wants to remind you, this guy here, he's, he's short-lived for this world. He's going to destruction. It's not going to be good. And the ten heads, the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings. So when we were in Revelation 13, we met the Antichrist. He's got seven heads. He's got ten hordes. And I kind of said, well, we'll table that. Well, this is it now, okay? We understand uh, the seven heads, okay? The seven kings. The ten horns which are Saras are ten kings which received no kingdom as yet. At, okay, in 96 AD, this is what you've got to understand, John. These ten horns that the beast has are ten kings, but they haven't received a kingdom yet. So don't look to history. Don't start naming them. Okay, we got Julius Caesar. We got uh, Octavian. We got No, stop, stop. They have received no kingdom as of yet. Why? It's going to be future. Is it, fu is it history to us? No, it's still future, the way it's going to play out and the way that we know it's going to happen. 
The ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which receive no kingdom as yet, but shall but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. How do we know that they're still futuristic? Because we don't have the beast here yet. And we won't as long as the church is here. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, story for another time. A lot of you guys are flashing on it because you already know what Second Thessalonians is all about. Um, they aren't kings yet, but they're going to be. Can we name them? You can probably guess some of them if you know world politics. I think a lot of those guys will be around. Now, how is it that they're 10? Is it, is it like, you know, people used to think it was the, a European, what used to be called the common market, which never had 10 nations. It went from 7 to like 11 or 12, like overnight, and these nations joined. And, and of course, with Brexit, you know, ex, uh, Britain's exit from the, you know, uh, European Union, now there's, you know, 20. For I don't know how many, and it just keeps fluctuating and changing, and others join, and there really never was ten. Or is that just one of the ten? Is like China one? Is, you know, are you going to take like North America and make that one? Are you going to carve the whole world into ten different distinct sections? I don't know. That's what, that would be my guess. That would be my guess. And who's going to be the head of like North America, for instance? I don't know. I, I don't. Um, people think like we're all sovereign, you know, the United States is a sovereign nation and it will continue to be. And it's multinational corporations and you don't even know who's on top. You can guess. You know some of the people. I can name some very wealthy people who seem to control everything. But I won't, the ones that are probably the real power brokers, you, probably not, you and I probably haven't even heard of them. Why do we vote? You know, we vote like right-wing Ronald Reagan, and then we vote for Barack Obama, and I'm doing right and left because I think they're politically right and left. And things pretty much just about stay the same with some, you know, well, we embrace like uh, we, we change the law so homosexuals can get married. This is a big thing, you know, but the, the policies pretty much are kind of like, why? Because there's people behind the scenes pulling strings who, I don't care who you elect, it's not going to, by the way, I haven't said that, don't become too, go out, vote, because I know a lot of people, us, we just say, ah, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who we elect, it's going to be the same old, same old anyway. But I think we have a, Window of opportunity here. Can it change? If we elected the right people and they were beyond reproach and they were... Uh, the last president, I think, the thing that I saw in his administration is he didn't understand how swampy the swamp was and he wanted to go and clean it out and I'm like cheering, more power, you go, you go. And I don't think he... And he put people around him who were just... Is, Without naming names, let's keep moving. There's ten horns, which the, which is ten kings, ten world rulers. They've received no kingdom yet, but they shall receive power as kings one hour with the beast. One hour. Uh, Sixty minutes, a short time, I think, is what is being said here. Their kingdom isn't going to last forever. You sell your soul to get into that position that just lasts for like no time at all. Uh, they have one mind. They should give their power and strength unto the beast. So they get these ten world governors. You know, you get a governor, let's say, let, let's just put it this way, like 
the North American continent. You get Canada, you get America, and you get Mexico. And the president of Mexico is the head of the whole, some guy who we don't even know yet. If I named him, you wouldn't have ever known him. And perhaps, I'm just hypothesis, right? And he's like, hey, the beast is the guy. We're, we're going in with him. And they give their, they have one mind, and they shall give their power and strength unto the beast. He's the guy. He's the, he's the you know, we marvel. He, he didn't kill him. He can't stay dead. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and kings of king, king of kings, and they that are with him are called chosen and faithful. They should, I, I gotta have read that wrong. They shall make war with the lamb. Are you kidding me right now? Are you serious? Uh, no, this is laughable. This is laughable. This is, look, big epic struggle. You know, Jesus come back and they're going to war against him and they're going to... Chapter 19. Jesus comes back. The first 16 verses, are he's clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. He's fine white linen, white clean. His mouth goes to shop to its sword. And he calls these fowls saying, hey, I got, a, I got a supper for you. Why don't you come on? And okay, he comes back, right? Verse 19, Armageddon is literally three verses. I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. It's actually only two verses. That's the preparation. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which had deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. And then the worshippers image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Yawn. Gee, I wonder who's going to win that. One verse. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. Big, epic battle. We're going to win. We're going to go out. We're going to win the day. We'll show him. Said everyone who ever never called him Lord. These shall make war with the Lamb. And the Lamb shall overcome them. Why? Because he's the Lord of Lords. He's the Kings of Kings. He's the Creator. And you, can you imagine a created being saying, I, I told you before, Satan's deluded. He's psychotic. I don't say he's dumb. I don't say he's not to be taken seriously. I say he's psychotic. What do you call it? I'm going to beat up God? Now, there are people that have that same delusion. I've read them. I, I can say a famous author, and some, some of you would be shocked, some of you not so much, who talked about when Jesus comes back, they're going to win, and they're going to you know, have their own reign and their own millennium and have their own good time. And Really? Incredible. They're going to make war with the Lamb. Hey, I wonder where the smart money's on. And the Lamb shall overcome them. Oh, because He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. And they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful and you. I mean, they're, they're, the ones who are with Him, they're called. That sounds like me. And chosen. That sounds like me. Scripturally, I wouldn't choose me, but He did. Yay. And faithful. And we're coming back with him. And because chapter 19, we'll, we'll talk about that at length. Um, are we entering into the, the battle? It's not our battle. It's not our battle. And we'll see, and I said this before, in Isaiah 63, it outlines that. There was none to help, and he kind of wanted. So his own arm brought salvation.
It's not that we aren't willing, because I, for one, am so willing. Um, it's just, it's not our battle. And he, say, and he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest, okay? He's still explaining. With the horse sitteth are people and multitudes and nations and tongues worldwide. Everybody's involved. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. So you get these ten world rulers, but they don't like this system. Um, and they shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So she kind of rides in all glorious, gets all the world religions all together, but it doesn't last. It's really an uneasy, because at the end of the day, you know, the power brokers don't want any, you know how communism works? Furiously anti-God. Well, so is democracy in America for the most part. We've got to get rid of God. If we're going to have these things the way we want to have them, and they don't come out against God and say there's no God and you should hate him and stuff like this, but if you read some of the planks of a certain party, pretty anti-God to me, and the other one, only slightly less, but that's, again, um, they hate her. They hate the whore. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate naked, shall eat her flesh, burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. God wants to get rid of this prostitute, this whore, this mother of all abominations. And he puts it in the heart of the kings to do his bidding. He hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Imagine being like one-tenth ruler of the whole planet and willingly say, okay, you're the guy. I'm going to step aside and let you run, run the show. And they will give their kingdom unto the beast. Wow. Until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. What's a great city that reigns over the kings of the earth? Now, if you were saying that now, you'd say, well, Washington. Economically, New York, London. If you, if you look at the top ten, like, money places in the world, New York and London are always one and two. Um, Houston, Texas is up there, too. Singapore. More um, Rolls Royces in Singapore per capita than anywhere else in the world. There's a lot of places that are the financial capital. So here's what I think. I think the seat of Babylon, the ecclesiastical or the religious Babylon, I think it's headquartered in Rome. I think it's an affinity towards the Catholic Church, but not, it's not Catholicism per se, because it's a big tent. And there's a big ecumenical ecumenical movement in the Catholic Church. I think they know these and they're trying to, these verses, they're trying to take, you know, get, uh, take advantage of an opportunity and, and position themselves to be, and do I think that the Antichrist is the Pope? I do not. Do I think that the Antichrist may be, I mean the false prophet may be this Pope or a future Pope? That's a good guess. I don't I won't steadfastly 
aver to be so, but it that would explain a lot of things. And you said, I thought you said that you thought that the uh, false prophet was a, a Jewish person. I do. A Jewish pope? It's not beyond the realm of credibility. Uh, Jewish in his, not his religion, Jewish in his, there's been Jewish cardinals and bishops before, just so you, in case you're wondering. I, I suppose there are now too. Uh, one of them, just a couple of popes ago, was actually one of the people that might have come out of that uh, conclave, and they, were, you know, the people were su suspecting it might be. Okay, uh, let's just start chapter 18. Um, and by the way, chapter 18 is the fall of Babylon, but I don't think it's the religious Babylon's already got rid of here. Okay, but I think there's a physical Babylon. We've been then in weeks on Wednesday night studying the destruction of Babylon I think it's a physical place and I think it kind of has to be for the things that like I think it's in well I just think that's Babylon like as you would think of Babylon the you're saying I, you said it wasn't much it's not anything it's not built up it's not yeah I think it will be the more I study this that's, that's what I think could I be wrong yeah yeah and after these things, metatau to that phrase that we've seen before, after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted with his glory. He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, has become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. What is this bird and unclean, these foul, look at devils, spirits, Birds, I think, are all interchangeable here. And there may be different levels of spiritual hierarchy in play here. But Babylon is, in the kingdom age, inhabited by demons solely, and no people live there all through the kingdom age. And I think we can show, show you that scripturally. And also Edom. But that, that's, we've, we've covered those verses. That's a story for another time. But this is the actual fall of Babylon, the, the, can we put it this way, financial Babylon? And you remember we were in Zechariah and we talked about the, the women with the stork wings and the, the ladies put in, the, in that jar that and is taken and moved to the plains of Shinar. You remember we talked about that? I think that's a prophecy of ec the economy of the world moving back to Babylon. And when I say Babylon, I mean in Iraq, Babylon. Uh, and so anyway, Babylon in, in Iraq, it's become the habitation of devils, the, the, the whole of every uh, foul spirit in the cage of every unclean, hateful bird. Um, verse 4, we'll, we'll go back, but verse 4, come out of her, my people, and be not partakers of her sins that you receive not her plagues. If it's not geographical, how do you come out? It's headed for destruction. You want to be there. Bad, bad, bad things are going to happen. Well, Adam, is it come out like, you know, come out from among them, be separate, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you, saith the Lord. I understand what you're saying, because when I got born again, I came out of the world. I didn't go off planet. I just, there's a world system that I'm not a part of anymore. That if you're born again, you're not a part of anymore. Is that what's being referred to? Could be. I still think it's geographical. 
I think is actual geography here. In, and of course, there's a lot of places, and we've looked at this at length, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, there's, you know, things that sound like physical happenings to a physical place. Let's just say that. He cried with a strong voice, saying, Babylon has fallen, has become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, a cage of every unclean, hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. The merchants of the earth are wax rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Uh, the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. It's a spiritual thing. It's fornication, right? Spiritual fornication. Cheating on God is the idea. And the merchants of the earth, this is a different thing, are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So we have merchants. And by the way, when she's destroyed here later on in the chapter, people are, alas, alas, that, you know, um, where am I? Yeah, verse 16. Alas, alas, that great city was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones. For in one hour so great riches have come to naught. And these ship captains and sailors and as many as trade by the sea, they crying and, uh, and they see her burning and oh my, who is like that great city? And they're weeping and wailing and, and all this good stuff. It's, again, it seems like geographies in, involved here. Um, so I don't think they're so separate because I think one is, you know, connected to the other. Because you remember, I mean, look, at she's still decked with scarlet in verse 16 of chapter 18. She's still wearing scarlet and purple and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. So a lot of people think, like, these overlap, ecclesiastical and physical Babylon, or can we say trade um, in, not industry, but like sales and all that, merchandise Babylon and religious Babylon are the same. And I see what they, I see that it, it could be. But again, I, it, it's very complicated to me. And if you have a better understanding, you come and explain it to me. But I think Babylon is actually Babylon. And I think in Babylon chapter 17 is religious Babylon, which I think is headquartered in Rome. Is it maybe headquartered in Babylon? It's possible. All, but all nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. The merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And we'll end here with verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Some people say Babylon is America. And I'm thinking, if you really believe that, you'd move. Because it's saying, come out. I don't believe Babylon's America. I think religious Babylon covers the whole world. You can't really move away from that. You cannot be partakers of that by believing in the true God, by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. But the physical Babylon, where you want to find out where that is, is it going to be really super important? Not if you're raptured. And remember, so much of this, we'll end here. So much of this is like, Who's the beast? Who's the Antichrist? Who's the false prophet? Who's this? What's going on here? What is this mountain coming down from heaven, uh, from space, and hitting the waters and the third part of the blood? If you're watching the whole thing from the mezzanine, I mean, it's curious. It's interesting. You don't want it to happen to anyone, so it increases our like evangelism efforts. 
But a a lot of it's just like, I don't know, intellectual and hypothetical. I mean, not hypothetical. I mean, it's all going to happen. But for us, it's not going to involve us. And I think that's, every time I read some of this, I read like, okay, we got these insects. They sting like scorpions. They're actually demons. You can't kill them. You want to die, but for five months they're torturing you. You want to die, but you won't be able to. Wow. And I just think, oh, I'm not going to be here. Praise the Lord. Anyway, that's it. I know I, sometimes I, it's hard to, to drill down. And that's why I've been kind of augmenting Wednesday nights. And I hope if you're not here, you're following, because it really helped um, when I refer to something that we've already been over. If I take the opportunity to, okay, let's look at this, let's look at this, let's look at this. It's really hard because we only do like a couple verses every day and with the, all the supporting documentation. So anyway, there you have it. Let's, uh, let's stand and pray and I worship you will send us out of here in song. Lord, I don't want to make it confusing. I want to make it easy, but it's not easy stuff. I mean, you know, people who have gone over these things have disagreed for a long time, and people who I love, who I listen to, don't have the same ideas of this, Lord. So help us to see it clearer, and even help us to keep, you know, thinking about these things and clear them up in our minds, and help me to lead well. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.